For our message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled, Words from Kohelet. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. One more time. Is that working now, Brian? You think? It's going to do? Okay, we'll uh, probably go past 3 o'clock just a little bit. Uh, hopefully, I'll try to you know, condense some of this. When you talk about wisdom, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, a lot of thinking that goes into it, a lot of examples and so on, references that we, we look at. The words of the preacher. King Solomon is known from the Bible to possess great wisdom. Earlier in the Bible study, uh, we, we know we, that there is a difference in wisdom and knowledge and how do we distinguish between those two things? Found a quote that said, uh, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. So that's, uh, that's a thought. Now there are three books in which uh, the sayings of King Solomon are recorded. There's a book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is the Greek translation of the Hebrew title Kohelet, meaning one who addresses an assembly, thus a preacher or a teacher, which would be the title. In Ecclesiastes 1, in verse 1, the introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes, we read these words that say, the words of the preacher, Kohelet, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Although this book does not really identify King Solomon as the writer, it does tell us that he is the one who spoke these words that we read. And we know that his thinking was inspired by God and is for our use and our consideration and our thoughts today. Now, what does this book often remind us of when you read the book of Ecclesiastes? What does this book say to us? You go to verse 2 in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, which is the theme that kind of runs throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. So this word is from a Hebrew word, meaning emptiness or vanity. It's figurative of something that is transitory and uh, unsatisfactory. I think of something like smoke in the wind or a cloud passing by in which all of our pursuits, whether it's material or otherwise, and that life itself 
must be taken in perspective because it's only enjoyed for a time and then it all passes. Then we see in the book of uh, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, in the book Song of Solomon, we read this in the introduction, verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. From this we see where the title of this book then is taken. The Song of Songs in this verse, this phrase, suggests that many songs were written by Solomon and that this is the most superlative one, maybe the number one hit in our way of thinking today. In, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning verse 32. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. That's a lot of very thoughtful writing. And he spoke of trees, verse 33, he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree, you know, which is a strong, tall tree. And we're familiar with the, the smell of cedar, which is a very good smell. That is in Lebanon. Even unto the hyssop, which is a small, bushy, aromatic plant. Its leaves were used in cooking and also for medicinal purposes. That this bushy plant springing out of a wall. And he also spoke of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. So they had heard of his, what the Hebrew says, kokmah. That is the Hebrew word for wisdom in a good sense and wit, his inventive thought and his understanding and his keen intelligence about things that were in the world. And they came to hear his wisdom. They came to hear his knowledge his thoughts uh, on those things, which in a broader sense also means that his skill in knowledge. So the purpose of this book, Song of Solomon, as some see it, is like a love story. It's an allegory of the Lord's love for Israel, as some see it, or as a type of Christ and the church, or as Christ's love for his outcast Gentile bride for whom he will return. So all of these books have a lot of detail, a lot of ins and outs, and we won't go into those things. But let's look at the next book by the preacher, the book of Proverbs, perhaps the one we're most familiar with. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 1, we read the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, and the Hebrew title to this is Mashal, which is translated into the word proverb. So a proverb, we know, is a general truth or a piece of advice. Have you ever been given a proverb before or maybe someone has given you some advice before? It's also a maxim that expresses a rule of conduct as in common sense or common courtesy. So this book is one that deserves probably a lot more attention than maybe we give it at times. But it's also complementary in many ways to the Ten Commandments because it can give us skill in living accordingly to those commandments. And it can teach us wisdom such as how to behave wisely, how to have good sense, how to deal fairly, how to get along with others, how to apply the skills that we've been given to work with, and so many other things. things. 
Now, in the King James Study Bible, it states that the meaning of the Hebrew word for proverb is comparison. And when you think about it, when you look at it, you know that there is a comparison between wisdom and a comparison between foolishness. So, in note of that, it does become clear that the book does show us, that Proverbs does show us how to be wise and what is wise and what is foolish. So we see the purpose for the book of Proverbs as written by the preacher. Proverbs chapter 1 now, in verse 2. We see the purpose, and that's to know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. So all of these words that we see here, you know, we can look a little bit more closely at each one of them to, you know, grasp their entire meaning. Verse 5, a, man, a wise man, it says, will hear, he will listen and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise, and their dark sayings. So the fear of the Lord, as we know, familiar with in the book of Proverbs, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and forsake not the law of your mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto your head and chains about your neck. So we ask ourselves, well, how is wisdom and knowledge gained? Were we born with it? Or did we find it on a high mountain or maybe a walk through the forest or the woods or maybe sitting cross-legged in a field with our eyes shut? Or maybe through experience or by reading a book or by listening to someone, someone else's words and advice or maybe some, through some school or, or college or some other institution. So where did the preacher get his, his wisdom? 1 Kings chapter 3. We see where King Solomon had gone to Gibeon, in verse, uh, beginning there in chapter 3. That was where the tabernacle was, and he went there to sacrifice, and he offered up a thousand burnt offerings. Quite a few burnt offerings. Can you imagine that? And in verse 5, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have showed unto your servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. So the king recognized his inexperience and how this position of authority and its 
expectations must have uh, intimidated him. So he asked of God that one thing, wisdom, the skill, and the know-how to rule. Verse 9, give therefore your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for yourself long life, neither have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to your words. And lo, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So there is none like thee before you, neither after you shall any arise like unto you. And I have also given you that which you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto you all your days. And if, and if you will walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David did walk, then I will lengthen your days. So we have this little, uh, this little if that, as in our case, when we were baptized and when we first came to the knowledge of God and his word, that we have been given a certain amount of understanding, a certain amount of wisdom, a certain amount of knowing God's laws and his commandments. And if we walk in them, it says, then I will lengthen your days. Now in verse 15, and Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. But he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Now, Solomon's dream was not a common one. From Matthew Henry's commentary on this, he said, while his bodily powers were locked up in sleep, the powers of his soul were strengthened. He was enabled to receive the divine wisdom or a vision, and to make a suitable choice, and God in like manner put us in the ready way to be happy by assuring us we shall have what we need and pray for. So Solomon's making was a choice, even when he was asleep, and the powers of reason were least active, that it showed that it came from the grace of God. We can read in verse 16 through 28 where, uh, you know, uh, his wisdom was tested. There, you know, two women came before the king. One claimed that she uh, rose to feed her baby and saw that the baby was dead. And her claim that it was not hers, but the other woman that was nearby. It was the other woman's baby and that the uh, woman took hers. But in reality, we know that the woman had lain on her baby and, it sm and smothered it to death. So in her deception... She wanted to claim the living baby to replace her dead child. But which one was the true mother of the child? That was the question. So for the king to find out which one was the true uh, mother, he used wisdom. He had to test the mother's love and sincerity by putting you know, the child itself in danger. In 1 Kings chapter 3, again, verse 24, and the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And you know, the two looking there saw that sword coming, that wicked looking weapon. What's he going to do with that sword? 
And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. What a shocking thing to hear. What an awful thing that would be. Then spoke the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son and said, O my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise kill it or slay it. But the other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. So the woman whose baby it wasn't said, you know, go ahead and slay it. And the king answered and said, give her the living child and in no wise uh, slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of that judgment which the king had judged. And they feared the king for they saw and here they saw the wisdom of God that was given to him to do judgment. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 4. See uh, about King Solomon's wisdom. Verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom, gave him understanding, exceeding, exceeding much and largeness of hearts, even as a sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. And it names some of these, these men, Ethan, the Ezraite, Heman, and Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all nations round about. So we see names of some of the smartest people known at that time and Solomon knew and studied most everything under the sun. God's knowledge includes wisdom about uh, things that we see in creation too. So Solomon said, however, as I mentioned earlier in the Bible study, Solomon uh, had 700 wives, 300 concubines or mistresses. Many of them were pagan, having come from many shades of religious beliefs. And to please them, he built them shrines and temples where they could uh, go and worship, worship their gods. And it was not long before Israel went into idolatry that, would, that eventually weakened and broke up the nation. So we asked, well, where was the wisdom that was given to Solomon? Couldn't he foresee that this thing would happen? It's, I suppose, what we do sometimes when we are given the do's and don'ts of, of something. But the king must have had to, uh, he just ignored the wisdom from above. Perhaps he knew better, but maybe, though, he thought, well, let me experience it and see the wisdom in it. And we can guess, as some people say, that experience is not really the best teacher. In 1 Kings chapter 9, the king had been warned by God, verse 1, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if you will walk before me, as David your father walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do something, <clears throat> to do all that I have commanded, 
and will keep my statutes and my judgment, judgments, then I will establish your throne, uh, your kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised David your father. And there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But, but if you shall turn from following me, you or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. So we see you start out with a prayer that you want God's wisdom, that you want his commandments to lead and guide you in life, and then something comes along that begins to turn the heart and the eyes away from what you wanted, and then failure to walk in that will, uh, does bring dire consequences. So Solomon's heart turned away. In 1 Kings chapter 11, now, again, he had 700 wives and princesses, 300 concubines, and it was his wives that turned his heart away. And it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and these other, other ones. And Solomon did evil. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. So we see that as Solomon aged, that wisdom that he had possessed began to, I guess, grow old. And, and he was not as strong as he was in the beginning. And in a way, when we look at our Christian life, these things can happen to us also. After all these things that are said and done, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and likewise did he for all his strange wives, and they burnt incense and they sacrificed unto their gods, and the Lord was angry. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord, God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. So in our daily life, sometimes we uh, do things that are wrong. You know, God sometimes might show his anger, but he has a lot of patience and he has a lot of love and he has a lot of hope in, in us. But here we see how angry uh, God was toward Solomon because he went astray. Wherefore the Lord, verse 11, said unto Solomon, for, for as this is done of you, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely rend your kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Notwithstanding in the days, in your days, I will not do it for David, your father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of your son. So we see that ignoring advice and you start out real, uh, you know, obedient to the ways of God and then something comes along that turns your heart away. So we can have God's wisdom. We can have God's spirit. <coughs> we can have his guiding light of wisdom, but still be taken in uh, in sin. Little audience precipitation or participation here. 
Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I learned that in school, maybe somewhere along the line. Never run with scissors. Laughter is the best medicine. Money can't buy. <laughs> Money can't buy happiness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we have some of these there, you know, just coming immediately into our mind as to how to successfully think about life and to live it successfully. Sometimes, however, we know our, our wisdom is bound to fail. You ever wonder why they call it uh, your, that tooth that grows? They call it a wisdom tooth. You have these wisdom teeth. I remember having mine taken out, and it wasn't, I dreaded it more than anything, but, you know, they put you under this, uh, this medicine that, you know, when you wake up, you want some more of it. <laughs> you didn't, you don't feel it. But wisdom, this wisdom tooth, it comes uh, with age. With age comes wisdom, especially wisdom teeth. So around age 17 to 21, it is the appearance of those, those uh, third uh, molars. And they're called wisdom teeth because they come through at a more mature age. And, you know, sometimes you... <laughs> early in 17, but 18, 19, 20, and 21, you know, sometimes you, you're more of a legal entity by then. But we also know that they can lend uh, to problems if there's no room for it. Here's an acronym that I read. It says, before you speak, think. Before you speak, Think. If you take the letter T, before you speak, is it truth? The H, before you speak, is it helpful? The I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? So, you know, think before you speak. And sometimes, you know, yeah. You know, words can, can get you in trouble. You say it the wrong thing when you didn't mean it. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, you just got to not talk. And I run into, uh, you know, problems like that a, a lot of times. You know, uh, uh, my wife might say, but you said, and that wasn't what I meant, but, but you said it. And sometimes you just have to wiggle your way around, out of it somehow. Let's look at the value of wisdom. There are many, you know, sources where one can find words of wisdom. They, uh, in books, they appear, you know, as thoughts to think about. We see quotes by famous people uh, written in books uh, that offer experience and advice. A writer once said that wisdom is above rubies. Often there is something deep and beautiful about words of wisdom. And they become keepers that we want to that we want to take and tr and try to remember to do in our life, and their meaning, once understood, becomes a guiding light on living skills. It becomes wisdom. Proverbs, the words of Kohelet, are a guiding light to doing what is right. 
As we read in chapter 1 of Proverbs, the book lays out its purpose to us to attain wisdom in verse 2 and discipline, to acquire dis, uh, discipline and prudent life, to give prudence to the simple. And they are teachings that go with us for use at some fu future crossroad in our life where we must make a good decision. At the moment we hear wisdom preach, we may not totally understand it. it maybe it's meant for someone else. But in verse 5, it says to let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Understanding these proverbs and parables and sayings and the riddles or these dark sayings that we see. And in verse 7, there in uh, Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline and this fear that we read about is, 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 is a healthy fear. It's having respect for the eternal because his words are words of life and, and, and the right way to go. Now, when we're driving down the highway and we are over the speed limit, we look at that uh, speedometer and know if we're breaking the law, and we see a police car up ahead and suddenly we slow down. We start acting in, you know, in the appropriate manner that's supposed to be done on the highway. And then there's the, you know, the traffic signal that we see. It starts to change and there is a certain healthy fear that makes us pay heed at that intersection. So when we look at the Proverbs, uh, there are all sorts of ways where wisdom cries out. When that traffic signal is red, wisdom cries out, better stop. When yellow shows up, well, you got a choice. You can speed through or slow down. Or when the green is there, we know it's safe to proceed. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. So we listen to instructions of parents. We pay heed to them. And wisdom is like both parents who give rules to live by. James chapter 4, I mean James chapter 1, verse 14, 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So overcoming temptations of life that come, it comes along in many forms can bring growth and reward, or we can be oppressed and uh, fall in them. So God's word, if it's with us, if it's Proverbs are with us, it will point us in the right direction, but it's up to us to preserve and make the right choice. Verse 13, let no man say, when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So this temptation that we read about here is the temptation to sin. God does not tempt us to sin. That, you know, that, that's the devil's work. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So this temptation is something that originates uh, when drawn away by our own lust and enticed that's in our own human nature. And the more it is thought about, the more the guiding light of God's word is dimmed. 
Verse 15, then when lust has conceived, it brings uh, forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth sin. So, like many people today, they choose the way that seems right in their own eyes, and sometimes they're, they're, uh, they're, it's the ways of death. Fools, it says, they don't listen, and they don't take God's laws seriously. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land where you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. I won't read through all the scripture references that, that are there. Um, try to finish this up. Proverbs chapter 3, wisdom produces happiness. Verse 13, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all things you can desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are, are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retains her. Got to retain it. James chapter 3, wisdom produces good fruits of peace. Verse 13, who is a wise man and, and endued with uh, knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, something going on that is in a way negatively affecting life, glory not and lie not against the truth. The, this wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So when you have those kind of thoughts, when you have those kind of feelings, it's, it's sensual, it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be, entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now we live in an age of instability in all areas of life. There is much foolishness that, you know, that's just leading to no good end. In Luke 21, 7 through 19, uh, the heading is wisdom is given by Christ. And you can refer, you can read those uh, verses on your own there. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 8, it tells us that wisdom is a gift of the Spirit. For one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. You know, sometimes we ask of others their thoughts on a matter. We might have something on our mind or troubling our mind, or uh, we might want someone else's advice about, and so we ask them. And sometimes, you know, we don't expect the question to come to us, but uh, when we're asked, uh, it is that, that wisdom is, 
often given at that moment with words of wisdom that they can pass on in the conversation. So it is given in that moment as a guiding light. Colossians 1 says that we should pray for one another to be guided in wisdom. James chapter 1, that we, if we want wisdom, that we must ourselves pray for wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let, let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. Like uh, we heard earlier, there are a lot of smart people in the world, skillful in their particular areas of life, but, you know, wisdom is nothing without God and the fear of God. 1 Corinthians 1, it says that you see your calling, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, many noble are called. You know, Paul was looking at the Corinthian church there, and we have to look at ourselves. Paul was looking at the Corinthian church because the rest of society saw them in, in that light. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world <clears throat> to confound uh, things which are mighty. Romans 12, 16, although it's not written in there on the handout, it says to be not wise in your own conceit. Because, you know, whatever strength that we have, it, it is through God's word. We also read that in Matthew 10, 16, which is not on there, it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of, in the midst of, uh, What is that, a wicked generation? Oh, uh, be, well, <clears throat> I can't read my writing here. I scribbled something out. I should remember that, but I don't. But be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless, that is, innocent as doves. In Ecclesiastes uh, 1, we see that wisdom can put life in perspective as, as we began earlier. And in Ecclesiastes 12, that all is vanity. And moreover, verse 9, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. This is what uh, the preacher did. And he sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So those that, you know, come here... As in the Bible studies, you know, we search out acceptable words that are uh, suitable for understanding and words of wisdom. The word, verse 11 in Ecclesiastes 12, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which uh, are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. Now, every problem in our life may not <coughs> may not be totally answered or understood at the time, but we are told this, that the grace of God is sufficient for us. We have his mercy, we have his forgiveness, and we have the saving power of, of his Son, in whom there is no other name in, uh, in which... Uh, in under heaven by which man can be saved 
where we have this grace. And so, I want to end in the allotted time that had been given. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil.